Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Support for this podcast comes from Frito Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three stakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Sorry, I'm just pulling up the stats here. No, no worries. All good. Love to have the stats. Okay. Welcome to Checking Out the Competition, New York Rangers. We are joined once again by friend of the pod, Tom Ertz, who was just uh, with us talking about the Las Vegas Golden Knights, but he's back to talk about the Rangers. Tom, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How about you? Not bad. Not bad. So um, I totally forgot that the Flyers have played the Rangers already because I am, I think, just periodically my brain is erasing entire swaths of this season because it's no use in retaining any of this information but um the flyers played the rangers back on november 1st it was a one nothing loss to the rangers in overtime since then if my math is correct which is always a dubious proposition the rangers have gone 10 and 8 uh, up until this game against the flyers um what's the last month been like for the rangers tom So the last month for the New York Rangers has been like any typical uh, New York Rangers season that I can remember where you have this brief period of chaos where the sky is falling, the sky is falling, everything sucks, we're screwed. And then you have a stretch of, which the most recent stretches, they've won five games in a row. Um, it all pretty much started this month, started off with a bear of back-to-back losses and on back-to-back days versus the Senators and the Blackhawks, who the Rangers will be playing after the Flyers. And the Blackhawks are in this terrible stretch where it's like they've lost all of these games. And that one lone bright spot is when they beat the Rangers. So when you're losing to teams like the Senators and the Blackhawks, um, you know, you're really doing something wrong, but lo and behold, they've beaten the Blues, they've beaten the Golden Knights, the Avalanche, the Devils, and last night, the Toronto Maple Leafs, and um, now they're going to be taking on the Flyers, and it can go either very good, um, or it can go very bad, because it's, you know, a, a trap game that is coming at the best or worst time, depending on your persuasion. So I'm glad you mentioned um, that it's been a bit bonkers over the last month for the Rangers because um, just, you know, being on social media, seeing Rangers fans kind of talking about the team, um, it did kind of seem like everyone was losing their mind there for a minute, which was interesting because uh, I think that most people expected the Rangers to be pretty good. And they're they're not bad. They're right now in the first wild card spot. So 
playoff team, um, a lot of good players. What was it exactly that was causing fans to lose their mind over the last month or so? So it's funny. I, I think it was um, like Charlie that tweeted um, something of like, why are Rangers fans like losing their minds? Like yeah. look at all this talent that they have. And, and, you know, it's like, whereas like, look at the flyers, like say no more, but like the thing w- with the Rangers and what is interesting is that all of last year and it spills over into the playoffs and you ask anyone, uh, um, you know, covering the league from a more of a broad perspective. It's like, okay, look at the Rangers. Like they have a great goalie. They have these young kids. They have high-end talent like Artemi Panarin, Mika Zibanejad, you know, so on and so forth. And the prevailing belief with them is like, oh, this is a tale as old as time. You have a team that's riding exceptionally good goaltending um, and a really amazing power play, and they're just having this success. Um, so, and the underlying numbers were completely terrible last year. You go to this year, the first two games of the seasons, it's like, oh, wow, this team looks really good. You know, the, the first month or so, you have really good underlying numbers, but the team's record did not reflect their play. So now they are looking like the team they were last year where the underlying numbers are shit but they're just finding ways to win. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really this sort of um, kind of, I don't want to say crisis. It's just sort of like this ever ongoing, um, what's the phrase that I'm, I'm looking for? It's kind of like, okay, on one hand, you, you want to have a team that has these really good underlying numbers that are playing the right way so that you can have a team that over the course of a season, they're going to win more than they're not. Or at the very least, you're playing in a way that is more sustainable so that come playoff time, you just don't get absolutely pantsed and knocked out. But it's weird because even going back, I think it was earlier this week at the end of last week, um, you know, people covering the team were kind of asking, you know, Gerard Galan about, um, certain line combinations and stuff and they're they're bringing up like you know advanced stats and stuff and he kind of bristles that he's like well we have our own set of numbers and we track things a little bit differently and one of the thoughts that um you know some people who cover the team in the blogosphere at least last year is that one of the reasons the rangers underlying numbers were so bad is that they were that the belief was maybe the Rangers have decided, okay, we're okay with volume in the sense of we'll allow a lot of chances, but we're going to allow a lot of, you know, uh, low danger medium chances at the expense of, of a high danger. So I don't know if I really believe that or not, but it, it's just this interesting thing now where they're looking like the team they used to. and. I kind of look at it as, okay, they've, they're playing top-end competition. Now I'll be interested to see, okay, what do the numbers look like versus the Flyers, versus the Blackhawks again, um, the Penguins and the Islanders who are, you know, I would say medium good teams. Um, but it, it's just it's just so weird because obviously, 
you know, New York sports fans are never happy. You know, win, lose, you're dropping. <laughs> Always a way to complain about things. Um, but, yeah, it, it's just weird right now. But the, when you win, at the end of the day, that's ultimately what all people care about. And, you know, uh, it's, we'll, we'll see going forward. Yeah, and like you said, right now they're winning. Um, won their last five. I'll just run through them real quick. A 6-4 win over St. Louis. A 5-1 win over Vegas. A 2-1 shootout win over Colorado. A 4-3 overtime win over New Jersey. And a 3-1 win over Toronto. Those are uh, good teams. Those are pretty good teams. Um, and it looked like a lot of goal scoring was happening. So... Um, has there been anyone in particular who's kind of turned it on over the last five games or has it been more of a team thing? So I would say if we were going to kind of tie it to one person, um, I think like Phil Petal is someone who is a young player on the Rangers that um, he he's had like bad injury luck as long as he's been um, in the league, but he's recently returned to the lineup and, you know, now he's, he's got seven goals, eight assists, 15 points on, on the season. Um, he scored in three of the last five, um, including, um, last night versus Toronto and the previous game versus New Jersey, which he also added an, an assist. Um, he scored against Vegas and, He's centering what was the third line, but has now become the second line in, in some respects in terms of time and ice with uh, Alexi Lafreniere on his left and Capo Caco on, on the right. And that line in particular has really picked it up. And it's a situation where a lot of people, and some some rightly, some wrongly, will you know like to dunk on the Rangers in the sense of that they have had these high-end picks and have not really been able to develop them on the forward side and it's like oh they're really like and a lot of it had to do with when um you know jack eichel before he was traded to vegas like there was a lot of talk of like oh the rangers are going to try to trade for him from buffalo and you know like there was this list of untouchable players and it's like oh Alexi Lafreniere, really untouchable. Oh, Capococco, really untouchable. Like, look at their numbers. And the defining factor and was, like, last night, they score a power play goal. And they're on the Rangers' second power play unit. And that's because the first unit, which generally plays a minute 30 of the two minutes, you have Panarin, you have Zibanejad, you have Adam Fox, you have Chris Kreider, Vincent Trocek. Like, if you have really good players that are able to execute on the power play, but there's no room for any of one of those kids. And, you know, look at any recent draft, look at the top end players more often than not, they're going to a really bad team and they're being thrust into these opportunities where they're just able to play. They have no one else. And that is the, that is the main focus. Now, like, obviously there are exceptions, um, you know, and that's can be looked at as like rationalizing that can be looked at as an excuse. Like I can see both sides of it. Like, you know, I look at it as there are things that they're doing well and there are things that they haven't done well, you know, since they they've joined the team. But right now they are some of the more valuable players on, on the squad and they're doing it with 
limited special teams um, at sometimes limited five on five time. Mm-hmm. But this is the kind of things you want to see in the case of this is, um, you know, year three and year four and year five in, in for, for some of these players who are, you know, drafted within, you know, the recent years. So um, I, I think that they're, if they're kept together now and they were skating as the second uh, line in practice today, if that's something that continues, that can have really good um, benefits for the Rangers. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. This is kind of a, a random broad question. Um, so if you can't answer it, don't worry about it. But it just popped in my head. So sure. I just think about a guy like um, like Jack Hughes on the Devils. Obviously, like coming on, especially this season, like crazy, looking like one of the top players in the league. He seems to be, for the Devils, essentially like the main piece that's driving mm-hmm. their success. Right. One, one of one of a few, but one of the main ones. Um, is there any worry for you as a Rangers fan that the team has all of this top-end talent in Panarin, Zibanejad, Kreider that are a little bit on the older side? And if if they're keeping which I think is kind of like the vibe that I was getting from your answer there. If they're kind of keeping guys like Kako and Lafreniere, not keeping them down, but like making them a less central piece to the success of the team. Do you worry that long-term that'll kind of put the Rangers at a disadvantage because these guys won't have learned how to be like the guy on a team? I think yes and no, and the the best way I'll answer that is, and like this kind of sounds, you know, hyperbolic, but short of winning a Stanley Cup this year, there's going to be changes. And the reason I say that is because um, James Dolan is not very patient. Um, we all know how the Rangers were on this trajectory and then he fires Jeff Gordon. He fires John Davidson. And then shortly after that, you know, David Quinn is fired at the end of the season. And then in comes a promotion for Chris Drury and in comes, you know, hiring of Gerard Gallant. And prior to this win streak, you know, there were murmurs that the Rangers were, or, you know, James Dolan was kind of, you know, like looking at this and there might've been a chance that, and heck there even still might be a chance that Gerard Gallant gets fired. Now I think that's less likely now than it was prior to this. Um, But I definitely think that there's, there's going to be decisions that have to be made just financially because you have guys that are going to be needing new contracts up this summer, like Heedle, someone who's going to be arbitration eligible, and um, he if he has the season he has going on, he could put the team in a spot where he's able to contractually, you know, 
and get get a lot of money from them. Now, the Rangers haven't had a case go to arbitration since 2009, where they walked away from Nikolai Zheridov, who I believe after that ended up on the Flyers. I don't know if it was directly after that, but it he was there for say, a minute. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. A long, long way of saying is they they rarely go to arbitration, but um, I do think that we're starting to see a little bit of the changing of, of the guard in the sense that um, Chris Kreider has been a top six player for the Rangers. And I would say that he's still considered a top six player for the Rangers and he's having a good season. But as of late, he's been used at least from five on five on the third line and away from Mika Zibanejad, someone, you know, who yeah. he's always played with. So I think that in a way that they're starting this sort of trial run of, okay, can we give the kids more space? Can we try and make them more of the focus? And if they are ultimately unsuccessful this season, then you will see a situation where it's like, okay, we need to move at least one or two people out so that we can give more of a run for these kids. Mm -hmm. Um, and I wouldn't even be surprised if, if they then evaluate like, okay, maybe it is instead we do need to move one of the kids for another kid. But I would hold caution on that because, you know, I look at cases of like, okay, Larry, um, Valerie Nikushkin with Colorado, you know, he was a top 10 pick with Dallas. He had a year where he didn't score a goal at all. He's let go. Colorado takes a chance on him. And he just is blossomed and he signs an eight-year deal after one year or, or, or one big year in Colorado. So, again, like, development is linear and, and yeah. it, it's in the sense of, like, you know, Jack Hughes is exploding because he's a really talented player and they've been amping it up. Whereas I think if you have someone, whether it's Kako or Offenier, playing consistent top six minutes – while also getting some power play times, just by function of, you know, randomness, you'll have maybe 10 or 15 more points in a season. And that completely changes someone from the outside's perception of, oh, this player is is, is coming along. And I think also, too, is that we as hockey fans have become really spoiled in the sense of we had in a short span a lot of really good talent coming at the top of the draft, you know, whether it's Austin Matthews, Jack Eichel, Connor McDavid, that, you know, you look back in history there, that's not always the case. And like, obviously this year it's going to be Connor Bedard, but this is just the normal ebbs and flows. And this is not to say that they're not talented players that they drafted. And, you know, anyone who says, Oh, the Rangers shouldn't have drafted them. Like had the Rangers done something differently during their respective drafts, they would have been laughed at. They would have been laughed at like you know the Red Wings were at the time or oh, why are they picking Mo Sider here? Like this is such a galaxy brain thing. It's it's you you're you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. But the long the short answer to a very long rambling is um I do think that after this season, whatever happens, there will be changes that will sort of sort themselves out. So you mentioned um, that second slash third lines playing pretty well. The second power play unit starting to turn it on. Um, what's been going poorly for the Rangers in the last few games? 
Um, what's been going poorly is I would say that um, obviously the underlying numbers have been really bad, and and part of that has been primarily um, defense related. Um, Jacob Schroeder is having a god awful season, and part of it is he's battling injuries. But there's the you know the old saying like you know in all sports is if if you were playing then you can't use that as an excuse and he's playing so you know it's on him to figure it out and especially as the captain of this team a team that went several years without being a captain um i would think that in games in november and december you could have the you know the recognition to say i'm compromising my team and in, in some cases, he's, you know, paired with a young defender who it's putting them in a bad spot because they're being evaluated for their play. And, and in some cases, Truba is doing things that are exposing them and, you know, they are it's affecting how they're evaluated. So um, I would say that's like a big thing, whereas a lot of the goals against and it's it's funny, like and, you know, even my. Uh, my nephew who's going to be 10 like we we watch the games together and it's i'll be out of the room and i'll come back and like oh goal against and he's like oh truba again truba again and it's it's just always him and i feel bad (laughs) for the guy um but again he's the captain he's playing he's actively deciding to play um and if he's going to be in the lineup like there's not much more you can really like say about that um but I would say that's the biggest thing because offensively things have been going well. Line construction has been decent. Um, but yeah, defensively, you know, and it's, it's something that has been an issue with this team because they are actively deciding to play people that um, you kind of know how bad they are. Mm-hmm. Um I just think of like uh, like Micah's tweet about oh one day NHL coaches will play young players who might be bad versus uh, veterans who they already know that they yes. are bad. God, the dream, like, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but that like the two things like sum up the New York Rangers that tweet and the the we may win but we may die. Um, th- yeah. Those two things are are things I just look at and go, yeah, this is it, a hundred percent. So you think there's anything else important going on with the Rangers right now that we should know about heading into this game? Um, I'll be interested to see who's ultimately in goal. Um, the Rangers will be playing back to back, um, like I said earlier. And um, if it's Yarrow Halak, that could make this game a lot more interesting. Um, just because it's been a situation where he started eight games this year. He's won one game, lost six uh, in regulation and one in overtime. Um, And that is a microcosm of the Rangers season. Whereas the inability to get wins from a backup goalie puts additional pressure on the starter um, that when they struggle, you really have um, no breathing room. So Um, that's the only thing that I would say, like, um, regarding the Rangers, but other than that, I, I would say that I'm expecting this to be, um, a little more lively than the 
1-0 game we had earlier this season. Here's hoping. I could use an, a little bit of a fun hockey game. Just no overtime, for the love of God. Oh, no yeah. overtime. Exactly. Give me a final score for this game, Tom. I'm going to go with a final score of 4-2 to two with an empty net goal. I love this. 4-2 Rangers, I'm guessing, right? Yes, best yeah. 4-2 Rangers. Unless it's a lock, then it can really can go anyway. <laughs> I am going to say... Um, I'm going to this game, so for my own personal satisfaction, I would like to see something incredibly ridiculous, like a 6-4 to four Flyers win. Will this happen? No. Could the Flyers possibly score six goals in one hockey game? Almost certainly not. But... I'm going to try to manifest it. It is great to dream. <laughs> it's all we got this season, Tom. Um, if you would like to, you can tell people where they can find you on the internet. Sure. You can follow me um, or find me on Twitter as long as it's, you know, around. I'll, you know, that's uh, up in the air these days. Uh, at Tom Erch Jr. And then, obviously, uh, I'm at Blue Shirt Banner. And I'm also at uh, Nights on Ice. Tom, thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope that the Flyers give us a good one and stay the hell away from the overtime loss. Tom, I hope you enjoy the game, too. Go Flyers. What is up, Astros fans? This is Jeff Balke and my partner, former Astro Jeff Blum from the Believe in Astros podcast to tell you baseball is back and we've got your world champion Houston Astros covered. Every week we go inside the clubhouse, break down the games, discuss the players and give you everything you need to know about the Houston Astros baseball organization with special guests and a few surprises all summer and into the postseason. So tune in to the Believe in Astros podcast. That's B-L-E-A-V on Apple spotify youtube and everywhere you get your podcasts go astros